Well, good morning and welcome to River Glen this morning. Uh, with that music, I just wanted to dance my way onto stage today. I kind of resisted that urge. I'm Dave, I'm the campus pastor from our Pewaukee location. And in case you don't know, River Glen is a church in multiple locations. We're one church in Waukesha, Pewaukee, as well as online. So wherever you are today, I want to thank you very much for joining us. It's really great for me to be back here in Waukesha, but I have to admit, it felt kind of weird not being in Pewaukee campus because I've been there virtually every Sunday morning for the past year, so my truck just didn't quite know where to go by itself today. Uh, and I want to say hi, special hi to Pewaukee. It's kind of my hi mom moment here. And I'm hoping that somebody in Pewaukee can take a picture of me on the screen because I know for a fact that if I stood right here to do the message, I would look like eight feet tall. So I won't do that. Camera operators are looking at me like, what is he doing? So um, I really want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in Pewaukee because God is doing some amazing things on our Pewaukee campus. We have an absolutely awesome worship band. We've got a phenomenal group of tech people that make our service happen, and some of the most dedicated, phenomenal volunteers imaginable. Every weekend on our Pewaukee campus, we welcome over 300 people that worship with us. It's absolutely incredible. I'm so proud of what you're doing in Pewaukee, and it's really great to see how God is using you and has used you this past year to build his kingdom. So thank you very much, Pewaukee, for everything you have been doing. Sure. Now, September 7th and 8th, just two weeks away, is going to be our big show-up weekend. We're going to be launching a brand-new message series that weekend called Love Does. And what we're going to do for five weeks is we're going to explore ways to grow our relationships in the community as well as in the world. It promises to be a great series for all of us. Be here. Show up for Show Up Weekend and make sure that you invite your five. When you walked in today, you received one of these packets. And inside, there's a space for you to jot down the names of the five people that you plan to invite for Show Up Weekend, as well as there's five little invitation pieces that you can hand out. Now, if you didn't get one of these packets when you came in this morning, please just go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll make sure we get one to you right away. I encourage you to be creative. Have some fun with this. You never know what could happen because of your personal invitation. I started attending River Glen about 20 years ago, and I started coming because my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law cared enough, and they simply asked Sharon and I to come to church with them, to simply show up. And I have to tell you, that singular act was a turning point in my relationship with Jesus and has had a lasting impact on my family. Now, I'm not immune to being asked to invite my five, so there they are. They're listed right there. And uh, I did the first one this past week, Wednesday, a uh, young man by the name of Zach. Zach served me my food at the restaurant next to our Pewaukee campus. Got a chance to visit a little bit with him, and I gave him one of these invitation cards and I'm hoping and praying that he will show up for Show Up Weekend, September 7th and 8th. Now, when I was a kid, I loved to collect things. I collected all kinds of cool stuff. I collected coins, stamps, 
baseball cards, seashells, and I had an absolutely incredible rock collection. During one of our summer vacations, we loaded up the 1963 Ford Country Squire station wagon, and we headed west to the Rocky Mountains. And I picked up rocks everywhere. And what I did is I secretly, I stowed them under that third row seat. Well, about halfway through the trip, Dad noticed that the rear bumper of the car was riding so low that every time he hit a bump in the road, the muffler would scrape. So he got out, checked the tires, the shocks, and everything else, and eventually he looked under the third row seat. And he discovered hundreds of pounds of rocks. Now, I was very politely informed that I had to pick out some of my favorites that I could keep. The rest had to go. And I pleaded my case. I said, Dad, Mom, please put one of my sisters out on the side of the road instead. <laughs> that didn't go over so well. So several minutes and many pounds of rock lighter, we were back on our way. So as a kid, I collected literally everything, even bumper stickers. And it all started with the free one from Wall Drug. Do you remember this one? Uh, some of you have it out in the parking lot today. I saw it. I loved bumper stickers, and I still do. So I thought today I'd bring in a couple of my favorites to share with you. How about this one? Sorry, officer. I thought you wanted to race. <laughs> that was actually in my mom's minivan. <laughs> you didn't know my mom. How about this? I was addicted to the hokey pokey, but then I turned myself around. <laughs> okay. Or this one. Bigfoot hide-and-seek champion. You never have to, you're near, or actually you never see a Bigfoot hide-and-seek runner-up bumper sticker because if you play hide-and-seek with Bigfoot, there is no runner-up. So, today we continue our series, Bumper Sticker Theology. Each week we take a look at a, a familiar phrase, a saying that we hear often and we see plastered on bumper stickers. That first glance some of them appear to be very believable. They sound biblical, but are they biblically sound? Now, in week one of the series, Ben tackled, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. The truth is that God will help you handle all that you've been given. And then last week, he debunked, God helps those who help themselves. Many people believe this phrase actually is taken directly from the Bible. Ben taught that God helps those who can't help themselves. Now, when Ben asked me to teach it during this series, I was hoping he was going to give me a really easy topic to deal with. I pictured myself having something that was really straightforward, like uh, the virtues of patience and being slow to anger. So I even picked out my bumper stickers in advance. I picked out this one. Do you follow Jesus this closely? <laughs> or, I bet Jesus would have used his turn signals. <laughs> Bestseller, Central Florida. Mm -hmm, been there. No such luck. Today we're examining one of the most popular sayings that's out there. We've all heard it. I've even said it in the past. It just seems to fly right out of our mouth. I've come to understand that not only is this phrase not biblical, sometimes in many cases it can be very hurtful. So picture this with me. You're talking to a friend during a round of golf. Their first tee shot hits the only tree 
in the middle of the fairway. Second shot, sand trap. Third shot, every other shot gets worse and worse. So as you're walking to the second tee with your friend, they start to vent. Their teenager dinged up the family car. An expected pay raise, it never happened. And an aging parent is suffering from dementia. And you stand there, stammering, trying to find the right thing to say. So you take a deep breath and you say it. Well, everything happens for a reason. Boom, done, fixed. So why do we say it? Do we say it with good intentions? Do we say it in an attempt to lift a friend's spirits? Or are we so uncomfortable dealing with someone else's pain and suffering that we just don't know what to say? Deep down inside, we want to believe there is some purpose to our pain. In a world that is full of uncertainty, we find comfort in thinking that every detail of our life is being controlled by God. Everything happens for a reason. On the surface, it seems to make sense. It might sound like solid advice when something good happens after a series of misfortunate events, such as you lose a job only to find a better paying, more fulfilling one. But this trite phrase can be hurtful in the face of a tragedy. Someone dies from a drug overdose or a violent crime. Everything happens for a reason? Really? What possible reason could there be for a tragic and untimely death? Now, it's fairly popular to believe that everything that happens in our lives, that it is part of God's will. Some people say that nothing, nothing happens unless God wills it into existence. And they're going to point you to Matthew chapter 10 as evidence that nothing occurs on earth without God's involvement and apart from his will. Now, in Matthew 10, Jesus is in the process of sending out his disciples to heal the sick, cast out demons, and to teach his message. And he knows that this is going to be a tough assignment. He knows his disciples are going to face opposition, imprisonment, and torture. So he says to them, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. He's saying, don't fear people. Their power, it doesn't compare to God's might. Jesus reassures them they're far more valuable than the birds, and yet not a single bird falls to the ground without God's care. Now, some have read this passage. They've taken it to mean that nothing, nothing happens in the world without God's involvement. He's involved in every detail, even the well-being of that single bird. So if God controls everything, all thoughts, all actions, in a sense, he would be like a, a grand cosmic puppet master pulling strings. Nothing would happen without the determination of God. Well, this is a doctrine that is called determinism. Determinism says that everything that happens is part of God's will. God causes everything to happen. But there are some problems when you dig into this doctrine of determinism. First of all, it gives God all the credit when good things happen, but it also places the blame on God for all tragedies. Determinism blames God for everything. I lost my job? God's will. A shooting takes place in a crowded shopping mall. This terrible act 
That's part of God's will. Do you see the danger in this doctrine? It blames God for everything. It implies that God determined, He willed, He caused every lie, every robbery, every violent crime ever committed. But here's the real danger in ascribing to determinism. It eliminates any personal responsibility. It allows us to make excuses. It ignores the fact that God gave mankind free will. So if I decide to drive too fast, I get a speeding ticket, oh well, it's God's will. No, it's not God's will. I exercised my free will and I made some bad choices. Let's not blame God for our greed, our selfishness, our lapse of judgment, or our stupidity. So, how does this doctrine of determinism, how does it impact our view of God? Imagine how you'd feel about God in the following scenario. A friend is killed in a random shooting. A family and friends, you gather around to, to grieve this, this senseless loss. And during the memorial service, the pastor looks you right in the eyes and says, everything happens for a reason. This tragedy, it was part of God's will. I sincerely hope that never happens to you. Can you understand that if people encounter that version of a God, a God who would take away an innocent life, can you understand why people would want to have nothing to do with that God? They'd reject him, and really, can you blame them? Now, several years ago, I was driving home one night from a business trip, and it was late. I was tired, so I decided to crank up the radio to, to stay awake, and I landed on a Christian radio uh, talk show, and I'll never forget the first caller that night. This guy called in the show, and he was obviously angry. He spoke of how he prayed every day that God would protect his daughter. He prayed this prayer without fail every single day, and he believed that God was hearing and responding to his prayer. Well, then it happened. The man came home one night late from work. He was exhausted, and he fell asleep without saying his routine prayer. He woke up in the middle of the night to the horrifying realization that his daughter had been killed in a car accident while he slept. At first, the dad blamed himself for not saying his prayer, but his anger quickly turned toward God. How could a loving God allow this to happen to his daughter just because he failed to pray for her protection? The dad was furious with God. It was very evident and apparent that this grieving father followed the doctrine of determinism, that everything that happens is God's will. Now let me say this as clearly as I can. Whatever tragedy, struggle, or suffering that you're mired in right now, God did not determine this thing to happen to you. God doesn't give cancer. He doesn't tear apart marriages, and he does not exploit women and children. No way. As a matter of fact, his heart breaks when our heart breaks. Now, some of you are going through times of unbelievable pain and suffering and sorrow. If anyone has ever said, everything happens for a reason, they've said that to you, I'm so very sorry, as this may have deepened or prolonged your suffering. When people say this, it doesn't provide comfort. In fact, it may actually add 
to the pain. Now, there's a second doctrine out there that some people follow called deism. Deism is a belief that God exists, but he really doesn't intervene at all. People who believe in deism believe that God created the world. He spun it into existence, and then he simply walked away. According to a deist, God's out there, but he doesn't really do anything. But we know, according to the Bible, that there have been many times that God has directly intervened in our world. The best example I can think of is when he sent Jesus to be with us. Although it's mysterious, God still does intervene in the world today. So if God is not this cosmic puppet master, nor is he a neglectful absentee landlord, what is true? If God doesn't micromanage every little aspect of our lives, nor does he ignore his creation, what is his chosen role? The truth is that God gave mankind control to rule over the earth. The authority, the power to rule, it's called dominion. To better understand, we have to turn back to the Old Testament. In the beginning, God's creation, it was perfect and it was orderly. He created humans. He gave them authority to rule over everything. God gave Adam and Eve dominion. Adam and Eve were empowered to share and to create in this ideal world. They were given the gift of free will. In Psalms, it says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. But God took a really big risk in giving mankind so much power. Would we maintain the perfect harmony, the orderly stewardship of the earth? Or would humans choose their own path? He gave us dominion. He gave us free will because he loves us and he wanted us to choose to love him back, to honor him, to obey him. But Adam and Eve exercised their free will. They chose to listen to Satan. They chose disobedience. Satan tempted them, causing them to doubt God's goodness and his intentions. And he raised doubts by saying, God's keeping the best for himself. He's holding back on you. Adam and Eve decided to go against God's commands. And as a result, they suffered the natural consequences for their disobedience. Adam and Eve had dominion over God's wonderful creation, but they abused their power and they disobeyed God. This pattern repeats itself from generation to generation across the globe through history, and it repeats itself today in you and I. The tragedies, the devastations we read about in the news headlines, they're not God's will. Famine and poverty, it's not God's will. Bullying, child abuse, it's not God's will. Mass shootings, certainly not God's will. The sobering truth, the reality is not everything that happens is God's will. People make choices every day that go against God's wishes. That's why Jesus, he taught us to pray to the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus 
urged us to pray to the Father, to pray for God's will to be done here on earth. Sadly, God's will isn't always followed. As a result, not everything happens for a reason. Please remember, God is not the cause of many of the things that happen in this world. There's a huge difference between God knowing what takes place and God causing everything to take place. Let me say that again. There's a huge difference between God knowing what takes place and God causing everything to take place. God knows. He knows the pain we're in, and it breaks his heart. He wants us to turn to him, to to trust him, to pray to him. But this doesn't mean that God is the cause of our pain. He's the comforter. He's not the cause. So if God doesn't cause all things to happen on earth, why do things unfold the way they do? Well, I can think of several reasons. As I've mentioned, sometimes bad things happen because we exercise our free will, making decisions that are not aligned with God's plan. So maybe we ought to turn the bumper sticker around. It should say this. Everything happens for a reason, but sometimes the reason is you're stupid and you made bad decisions. (laughs) Somebody promised to buy that one for me. Almost 30 years ago, my marriage to my first wife ended in divorce. I really tried to convince myself that the crumbling of my marriage was part of God's will, that it happened for a reason. It was part of God's plan. It took a long time for me to come to grips with the truth that my divorce was my fault. I made bad decisions. I was harsh, unloving, I was neglectful, and I was selfish. My divorce was not part of God's will for my family, no. It was the result of my exercise of my free will. It was a lot easier for me to blame God than it was to take responsibility for my own actions. Another reason why bad things happen is because sometimes someone else exercises dominion over you and their actions affect you. For example, several years ago, Sharon and I were involved in a company, a business, and the business closed its doors suddenly. It cut off an income stream for our family. This was totally out of our control. Someone else had dominion over us, and it impacted us. And sometimes entire, or sometimes bad things happen because entire countries, cultures, organizations, and societies, they just go against God's will. And sometimes, sometimes we just can't find a plausible reason why something bad happens. We just don't know. We can't understand it. We can't explain it. It just doesn't make sense. And this is the hardest thing of all to accept. Now, let me pause for a second because I'm probably rocking the boat for some of you. This saying, everything happens for a reason, it's so often used that you might have a hard time just kind of letting that go. But let me put your mind at ease because we don't have to lose hope. We don't have to live in fear because regardless of what happens on this earth, we know that we have hope. We have hope because of Jesus. He entered our fallen, our broken world. He began the process of restoring the world to God's good order. Through his death, 
his resurrection, he defeated the brokenness of the world. He set in motion God's perfect plan to redeem the world. Now, we're a long way from being perfect, a long way to go, but we have God's promise that one day everything will be restored. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The old fallen world will cease to exist, and we will flourish in a new one that is blessed by God. This will be a place that will never fade away. This is the hope that we cling to. This is the hope that sees us through times of indescribable pain and suffering. And until this hope is fully realized, we have this promise, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So maybe, just maybe, the bumper sticker should say this. God can use everything that happens for a reason. God can use everything that happens for a reason. Now, my existence, my very life, is evidence of this truth. Let me explain. Uh, my dad served in the U.S. Army island hopping the South Pacific during World War II. He contracted malaria during his tour of duty. It was not God's will for a disease-carrying mosquito to infect my dad. It was not God's will for him to spend years in army hospitals to suffer and to almost die. I don't know why it happened, but we do know that God can use everything that happens for a reason. And God did use this near tragedy for my family for a reason. A young army surgeon performed a new procedure in an attempt to save dad's life. The operation, it was, it was radical and it was untested, but it was a success. Obviously, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you today. God used this doctor. He used him for his good purpose. Now, my parents, they, they married during dad's long road to recovery, and they committed to be together through sickness and in health. And they endured a lot more sickness and health for many years. But God used this time, he used this situation to strengthen mom and dad's resolve and love for him and for one another. They raised children, they worked hard, they trusted God, and they prayed constantly. And they created a legacy, which included seven children and over 40 grandchildren and great-children, great-grandchildren. God can use everything that happens for a reason. Not only can he, he wants to. He can and wants to take the, the most twisted, fractured, painful things in our lives and bring good from them. God can bring beauty from ashes, light from darkness, and hope from the depths of despair. He can redeem the most devastating tragedies and use them for good in some way. This promise doesn't guarantee that life is going to be any easier. But God will work through these things for good in this world or in the next. He'll deliver on that promise. This is the eternal hope that we have in Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, let me jump back a moment. I told you that 30 years ago, I made choices 
that destroyed a marriage and deeply hurt my wife and four children. Over time, a long time, I took responsibility. I sought forgiveness, and I struggled to forgive myself. And if I'm honest, I still struggle with that today. Now, I've been married to Sharon for over 25 years, and we've had our challenges along the way, but God put in our hearts to be faithful in our marriage, to fight hard for our relationship, and to do what we can to help others who are struggling in their marriages. Sharon and I have been involved with River Glen's marriage ministry for several years, and we've been absolutely blessed to have the opportunity to walk alongside many couples as we learn God's plan for marriage. I'm humbled that God redeemed my life, that he used this situation for his reasons. But please don't misunderstand me. What I did 30 years ago, it was hurtful and it was wrong. The damage was done and it was my fault and I can't hit a magic rewind button and pretend that it didn't happen. Well, it did because I exercised my free will and for that, I am sorry. But God did redeem the the mess that I created, and he allowed something good to come out of it. And for that, I am grateful. Now, for those of us that are bogged down in the midst of unthinkable pain, sorrow, and tragedy, I don't know why these things are happening. I won't pretend to know. But what I do know is that it can't be because God doesn't love us, because God does love us. To see how much God loves us, all you got to do is turn to the cross. Why would Jesus go to the cross if he didn't love us? So what do we do? What does Jesus want us to do? We know that hardship and tragedy and disappointment, it's going to find all of us at some point in our lives. So what do we do when it happens? Well, I'd suggest we need to be with one another in our pain. Just be present. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just listen. Listen. Don't say anything because there are times when our words simply cannot take away the pain. But our presence, our presence can mean the world to the person who is suffering and hurting. And we need to let go. Let go of the need to explain everything. This is human nature and it's hard to do, but sometimes Horrible things happen, and we just don't know why. There's no explanation, so I would suggest we stop trying to find one. But we can trust in the knowledge that God can use everything that happens for a reason. And we need to gather together to to be in community, to do life together. Now, throughout the year, Sharon and I have participated in many groups. We've seen God working in these groups. This past year... We participated, we're part of a rooted group. We witnessed firsthand the power of community in this group as the people in this group prayed for one another, cared for each other's children, served in the community together, shared meals, listened, and yeah, there are times that we cried together. And they have become some of our very best friends. Being part of a rooted group was an incredible experience for Sharon and I. Groups can bring us into community with one another and provide us with a a safe place, a place where we can express our concerns, our fears. We can love on one another. We can learn, listen, and support one another. 
I strongly encourage you, join a group this fall. And finally, and most importantly, Jesus wants us to turn to him. He wants us to know he's here for us no matter what. He wants us to know his heart breaks when our heart breaks. He wants us to know that he understands, he feels our pain. Now in a moment, the band is going to share a new worship song with us. I want you to listen carefully to the lyrics. Listen to the promises that are spoken in the chorus. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters holding back the sea. And should I ever need reminding how good you've been to me, I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. Would you pray with me? Lord, you've given us dominion over your perfect creation. You trust us to be good stewards of all that you have made. But Lord, we often fall short. Our will doesn't always align with you. Reveal your will to us and empower us to follow after you. Father, we struggle with the tragedies in our lives and we try to understand and sometimes we blame you. Help us to let go of the need to explain everything. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, bring us closer to you and to one another so we will be there for one another when hard times come. Lord, we know that you can use everything that happens for a reason and we know that you're standing next to us. Thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.